Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Pullett. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks. And today I have sitting next to me, writer Jonathan Strickland. Ding! <laughs> I just leveled up. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there's an idea that we were playing with, and that was to tackle massively multiplayer online role-playing games. Or MMORPGs. Mm, it's one of, those, one of those few times where the acronym is, is almost, if not more difficult to say, than the full thing. Right. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they're, they're very, very popular. Uh, extremely popular. They're so popular, they're more popular than popular things. Right. Okay, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, you know what? In Korea, they're huge, too. That's true. You know? That's, they're enormous. Actually, Asia, really, they really do dominate. But let's, let's, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's kind of talk about what these things are. So for those of you who don't know, um, and I, I imagine that's probably a very small minority, but this is a, there, it's a game that, um, that you, where you take on the persona of a character. 
that lives within a certain virtual world. Uh, that world could be anything from a fantasy setting, like a, a Tolkien-esque kind of fantasy. Sword to, and sorcery. Right, sword and sorcery. Or it could be uh, science fiction. It could be the Wild West. It could be a you know, vampire society. Really, it it's just limited to the imagination of the person creating the game or corporation creating the game. Sure. Um, but you create a persona that exists within this universe and you play – through that persona, go exploring the world, uh, achieving tasks, making friends and enemies, um, and you're doing it online over the internet, along at the, with a, about you know a couple thousand to several hundred thousand other people uh, at the same time. So it's it's a social thing because you do encounter actual other players. I mean, they're the characters. Many of the characters you encounter will have at the other end of them, a real life human being controlling that character. Um, and yet it's also a computer game. So that's, that's sort of the, the pie in the sky kind of MMORPG rundown, I guess. Yep. And if you didn't know the, the acronym and the name for it, uh, you probably heard at least of some of the games like World of Warcraft, which is by far the most popular. It's got in the United States. Well, that's true. Well, it's got quite a few fans overseas as well, but, uh, EverQuest, um, some others. Right. Well, and we can, we, Eve a, Online. Spend a couple, yeah. yeah Eve yeah. Online. Yeah. We can spend a couple minutes talking about sort of, where sure. this whole idea came from. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's, that's where we are now, but you know, it didn't happen overnight. No, this is, this is a, it was a, a process of evolution. And, uh, Chris and I can probably talk a little bit about the, uh, the source for this, uh, this kind of game because he and I have both been <laughs> exposed to it. Um, back in the late seventies, uh, a war gamer or a few war gamers were, trying to find a way to have smaller uh, squad-based adventures uh, as opposed to giant battle uh, confrontations. And uh, a couple of them uh, started to develop this idea of a role-playing game. This was a paper and pencil game. You had you had a piece of paper where you would uh, create a character and you would generate stats uh, with some sort of random number generator, which in those days were dice. Um, different sided mm. dice to, to create different kinds of stats. Heard of dice. Yeah. I <laughs> once upon a time had quite the dice bag. Oh. Uh, a huge collection. I, that is since I have no idea where it is now. It's probably somewhere in my parents' house. <laughs> um, but I have not seen it for many, many years. But at any rate, you would use these dice to create your character also to kind of determine how random or, uh, or events that were based on chance, how, what the outcome was, right? Right. So let's say you're encountering a, a you're playing a, the the most popular one is Dungeons and Dragons. I think that's the know, one that most people have probably heard of. Right. That's the one everyone's probably at least heard in passing. True. Um, so let's say you're playing your Dungeons and Dragons. Your 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 third level paladin. Mm -hmm. Your third level paladin encounters a kobold, <laughs> and uh, you want to the kobold's attacking you, and you want to attack it. You know, you would roll a die to determine uh, based upon your paladin's abilities whether or not your strike makes contact. Yep. Yeah, it's not like uh, you have to imagine here, if you've never played one of these pencil and paper games, uh, that 
it's not like if you've played World of Warcraft, it all sort of happens in real time. The computer is generating those numbers as you're playing the game, and it's, you know, you attack and you can only swing your sword so fast. Um, but with these pencil and paper games, there was somebody who would run the game who would tell you what's going on, and you'd have to ask, you know, well, what does my character see? It's like, well, this is, all of a sudden this thing jumps out at you, and you don't know what it is. It's like, what does it look like? And you have to ask because you're playing a role. You don't know... You know, it's not in front of you. You have to guess. And they have to say, well, there's a uh, 30% chance that you're going to completely miss. You roll the die and it says, well, sorry, you missed. And now you're getting ready to die. Right. It was really, (laughs) really a kind of interactive storytelling. Sure. And and, uh, some people got more into it than others. Some people would really take the role playing part of the game very seriously. They would, they would, you know, be in character as they're playing. Oh, yeah. We even Um, have an article called uh, How Live Action Role Play. Right. Works and Which it's is, about people who dress up in the costumes and actually go out and and you know interact with one another in person and pretend to be those characters. Right, and so um, for them, the role is the most important part. Other sure. people, it's the game part. You know, they're really interested in you know, their stats and, and uh, you collecting know, the weapons. Exactly. And they, the, yeah. they and the same sort of uh, same sort of behaviors have kind of spilled into the MMORPG world. But before we get into that, we can go to the next step. Yep. Which really was the computer when, role-playing game. Yep, which um, was, uh, again, text. <laughs> right. The original ones were text, and then and then you would get some primitive graphics, like uh, I played the Wizardry series, mm-hmm. uh, Wizardry 1, 2, and 3, in oh, fact. Sure. Yep. Um, and those were those had some graphics, although they were very primitive graphics, and things like Bard's Tale and the Ultima series. and. Uh, but in general, you still weren't playing these online with other people. Right. You were there basically, was, they were just telling you what you were doing, and you'd say, okay, I go left. Right. There was no real role. Playing right. in that. I mean, you right. had a you had a character you controlled, but you didn't really. They told you your role. Yeah, yeah. You didn't. You didn't really. You know, you you couldn't. Especially in the early ones, you couldn't really talk to anyone. No. You couldn't establish a personality. You were just kind of you know clicking through stuff, mm-hmm. right? The later ones, Ultima, things like that. There was a little bit more where you you know depending on how you talk to people during conversations, it could change the outcome of the game. So. That kind of started getting a little bit of a role playing thing in there, but still, it was a it was a one person one computer experience. So there wasn't any real social interaction. You're just kind of it's this artificial social interaction with these these non player characters that are all controlled by the computer. Mm-hmm. So that moves us on to when the internet started really making it big. One of the first things that college students started figuring out how to do was making games that they could play with other people over the internet. Mm-hmm. And there were three major kinds of these games when they first started hitting the internet. Um, they were all kind of related. Uh, there were MUDs, which stands for multi-user dungeon. There were Moos, which was a MUD object-oriented game, so the objects could have their own um, uh, abilities and, and traits. And mm-hmm. objects are anything in the game, really. They could not just necessarily like a sword or a pot, but it could be a person, it could be a table, it could be you know pretty right. much anything. Mm-hmm. And then you had the mush. Which was a multi-user shared hallucination. So a little trippy there. But these, these were text-based games where you could actually interact with other people all at the same time. So you'd be in this, this uh, world, um, reading about it and performing actions. And, um, there was a bit of a role-playing aspect to it. Although, again, a lot of people were really focusing more on the game than on the role. Yeah, um, and in my experience, a lot of them turned into chat rooms. You'd go into a section of the castle or whatever, and then people would jump out of character and just start talking about whatever and right. wherever. So yeah. it was very, it was very much like uh, like 
using some of the IRC type yeah, chatting, except yeah. that people were you were theoretically in a castle somewhere, and you know, and some people just chose it. You know, they'd look at it as a challenge to see who could get the highest level the fastest. Right. You know, again, it's not a lot of role playing there. No, but then, um, as time went on, uh, there were some game developers who were really determined on making bringing this to the next level, which is really adding graphics to it and having a um, uh, at least a 2D, if not 3D kind of experience, um, so that it made it more immersive. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, you weren't just reading text. Cause a lot of people just skip over the text anyway. You might have spent 20 minutes writing the perfect room description. Right. But everyone else just wants to see what's the monster that's in there and where's the nearest exit. Yep. Um, so that's when two games in particular really started taking the, uh, the lead on that. Uh, one of them was Ultima Online which was a uh, project that, that evolved out of the Ultima game series developed uh, by uh, Richard Garriott, mm-hmm. Richard Lord British Garriott. Um, and the other was EverQuest. And for the longest time, that was the, that was the, those were the two biggies. EverQuest and Ultima Online really battled it out to, to be the leader. And Ultima Online, I think, had the early edge, but EverQuest quickly overtook them. Um, Ultima Online suffered some problems with uh, griefers, which are players who specifically make it their purpose in life to ruin the good time of everybody else. Right, right. And these uh, these games are uh, what I think of, at least in my from what I've read, uh, are what I think of as the beginning of the MMORPG economy. Right. Because people started, and, and this may sound weird to you if you've never played one of these games, but people would start selling virtual items. Uh, for real cash. Um, there was an article in Wired Magazine a few years ago about somebody who was a player on Ultima who had a hoard of weapons and things that he was selling for American dollars. Um, so you could, he basically, they would play the game. And there are people, if you look on some of the search engines, you can find a way to play for money. Right. And I think what they're doing, I, I didn't, you know, I was in a hurry, but I, I think what they're doing is they, they pay you to go on, create a character, play through, get some weapons, and then they'll sell, they'll give you cash for those weapons so that they can turn around and give, uh, you know, get $500 for a plus two sword of cleaving vegetables. Right. There's also, there are also people who will play your character for you so that you, you advance. They'll be an ex- experience grinders. Right. Right. Just so that you have a stronger character faster and you don't have to go through the drudgery of leveling up. Uh, which really kind of defeats the whole purpose of a game when you think about it. I mean, they're looking well, for the reward. Yeah, they're, it depends on what you're trying to get out but of the game. It's a virtual reward. Right. <laughs> it's not That's a true. real reward. The whole point of the game is to enjoy it while you're playing it. If mm-hmm. the only enjoyment you get is having the strongest character, how long does that last? That's that's true. That's true. And and there are other examples. Uh, Second Life had a uh, crash of its its bank system. Right. A few months ago. Of course, Second Life isn't really a role-playing game. Well, it kind so of is. Eh, I guess in a way. it's more. I think of it more of as a virtual environment, but it does definitely have some MMORPG elements to it. Yep. And, and You do create an avatar. Yeah. And I have, a, I have a controversial thing I want to uh, to mention. Ooh, I, don't okay. know, I don't want to take you off the track because you no, had no, some no. things you wanted to talk about. But Go ahead. Um, here, here's what I, I think we should rename MMORPGs. Uh-huh. I think we should just call them games because pretty much everything now – has some kind of online component to it. You can get a console game like Halo or, uh, you know, some of the, even some of the sports games and things, and you can play with other people. And essentially you are playing, maybe you're playing, you know, Madden football with somebody else online. Well, you're playing, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. It's, it's a, it's a role. And, and to some degree it is 
a role-playing game. Yeah, you could think of it as a spectrum, I think. I mean, because yeah. uh, when I think of role-playing games, I really do think that you're you're taking on a character and ideally – uh, if it's a true role-playing game, you're you're in character. You're playing as that character. You're not you're not uh, you wouldn't be Chris, who happens to be playing the dark elf Mohawk, right? Like right. like Mr. T. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that commercial. It's awesome. Actually, I haven't. Uh, but it's uh yeah. So you you would want to you you would want to be kind of part of this world, right? You're not. Right. You're not just someone who's controlling a little guy. It's not like a remote control car, ideally. Right. Ideally, you are an inhabitant of this world. Right. Um, and I think – but even in games that are designed for that, you don't really find that the majority of players treat it that way. Um, there, there's always a core of players who really are serious about it and they have a good time and they have fun with each other. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot more people I think who just go on there just to you know kill a couple of hours. So they're not really into the whole let me take on this role and play this character. Yeah, I think you have to be – if you're one of the serious, more serious-minded gamers, you have to be a little tolerant of the people who are just there to kill a couple hours. Right. And unfortunately, um, the people who are just there to kill a couple of hours aren't always tolerant of the core players. No. no it, that's I true. mean when you think about it, it does seem a little strange to run into – to someone who's some, you know, it's a real person on the other end of this character, but they're still talking to you kind of funny. Mm-hmm. That there, there's a disconnect there that's hard mm-hmm. to get past. But there are tons of these games out there right now. Yeah, and they're not all you know shoot 'em ups. No, there are things like uh, you know Puzzle Pirates, which is one of my favorites, Yo Ho Ho Puzzle Pirates, in which you solve puzzles to do your uh, to do your duties on the ship with your your mates. But you, everyone talks like a pirate. And uh, they basically – there is a chat element of it. It's a casual gaming thing. Um, they are other things like uh, Club Penguin for kids or uh, Hello Kitty Online. Right. Uh, I, you can tell I have a, a daughter in kindergarten because I'm oh, actually aware of these. Don't make excuses. Oh, stop. I just like pink. <laughs> um, and, and my my personal favorite that I'm really interested to see come out, which is uh, supposed to be here in 2009, Lego Universe, in which right. you can play – a Lego minifig, right? Which is just really cool. And but there, I mean, it, you're right. It's a, there's a spectrum. There's everything from, you know, going online to play capture the flag and Unreal, to you know where you're actually one of the the soldiers running around, or you know, a little minifig. Yeah, and you've got. Uh, I, I would say that fantasy probably dominates oh, the yeah. genre. Easily. Um, I mean, you've got things like the Ultima Online, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, Age of Conan, which. Came out not that long ago. Um, uh, the uh, world. Let's see. There's a, a Warhammer Online, oh, yeah. which is shipping right now. I yeah, think it's as brand we're new. recording this podcast. Um, yeah, the, uh, Lord of the Rings Online. So mm-hmm. you know, there are all the, these games that that kind of stem off of existing licenses as well. I'll tell you one that I I almost joined, but then I waited to kind of see how it would go, and then I'm glad I waited because it sounds like I would have been disappointed. It was Star Wars Galaxies. Oh yeah, because uh, you yeah. know I'm a big original trilogy Star Wars. I'm gonna be, say that again, original trilogy Star Wars fan, <laughs> and uh, and and just the thought of being able to play. I and immediately I was like, I want to be, I want to be on the Empire. I want to be in the Empire, and I want to hunt down those rebel scum, and um, which kind of gives you an insight into my personality. Yeah. But uh, but it didn't pan out so well. Apparently, there were a lot of problems with it. So uh, I'm glad I kind of took my time. But there are tons of them out there, and pretty much they'll you know just like you can find uh, websites that will cater to just about anything. You can probably find a game that caters to just about any kind of uh, genre. 
But be prepared if you're interested in, in starting these. Not all of them have a, a giant financial commitment where you have to pay fifty to a hundred dollars to buy the game and then load it in. Uh, some of them are uh, are free. Yeah, uh, and they'll give you an opportunity to try the game, or or you can play all that you want for free, except you can't access certain features, which is how they lure you in to pay your ten dollars a month right. to get access. Well, you know, you can't have the ability to change your character's clothes, but if you paid the ten dollars a month, you could. Or you you won't be able to use this particular really cool sword. Exactly. But if you pay this the subscription fee and become a premium member, you totally could. And uh, if you if you do start doing that, you may find out why the uh, the people who played EverQuest used to call it Evercrack, right? Because uh, as a friend of mine found out as he came in bleary eyed to work one day, they can be extremely addictive. And all of a sudden, it's four thirty in the morning, and you find you've been playing all night, and then you end up doing that every night. Your job nice. performance may suffer. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you know, so be be warned. If you get into this, uh, there could be some financial commitment to it and uh, maybe a little lost time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have an addictive personality, you might want to take it easy on these. Exactly, but uh, they can be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I thought I'd um, mention one other kind of tangential thing that's uh-huh. kind of interesting here. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about the Avatar machine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, just, a, just a cool little project. That um, I, uh, an engineering and uh, art student named uh, Mark Owens created. Uh, he's uh, over in the United Kingdom. And the Avatar machine, the purpose of it was to see how – because Owens is very interested in the way that people and objects interact and whether or not we imprint an emotional kind of um, uh, uh, status to certain objects. Sure. Like, like uh, and he, he's done lots of experiments with this, very kind of interesting philosophical experiments. One of them is the Avatar machine. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea behind it was that he made an observation that people within these worlds often have show a lack of empathy toward others. Um, well, sure, they're not real. Right. They, you know, you're, you're interacting with a, a computer-generated character. You know, you've, you're removed from the actual person who is controlling that other character. Right. So it's harder to... Think of things like, oh, I could be hurting this person's feelings or I could, you know, how would, how would I feel if this person were doing that, what I'm doing to them, to me? Um, so he created this thing called the avatar machine. And what it is, is it's a helmet that has a monitor in it, um, and a harness that, uh, ha- that, that suspends a camera, uh, a few feet above and behind the person who's wearing the costume and behind right. their head. Mm-hmm. So the camera's focused down on the person wearing the gig, you know? Right. So you're like, Wearing this thing and from your view, when you look in the monitor, you see yourself from a third person perspective. Right. Just like you would in a, in a, a lot of the right. MMORPGs. Many of the MMORPGs have right. that same thing. And they, he even designed it so it had a kind of World of Warcraft look to it. And uh. he cited that as one of his uh, inspirations. <laughs> nice. And so he said that, you know, at first when people start wearing it, they're a little disoriented. And then they uh, they start to move around once they gain a little confidence. You know, it's it's weird to look at yourself from the third person perspective and then still try and move in a space because you know you're not seeing the ground immediately in front of you as you would normally. It's pretty literally an out of body experience. It really is. It's a it's a computerized out of body yeah. experience. And um, he said that. Uh, After a few minutes, people would start swinging their arms and stomping around as if they were this giant, you know, character and and even intimidating other people. And they were behaving the way that people who control a third person perspective character behave online. So maybe there's this thing that if you're not within your own skin, you just don't have that kind of ability to feel 
empathy for other people, or at least yeah. it's reduced. I mean, you no one like went on a spree and started, you know, picked up a branch and started whacking people over the head. I mean, nothing that extreme, but you know, there was definitely a change in behavior. It helps to be in work. Yeah. So if you'd like to read more, you can uh, check out how MMORPGs work, and that's live right now on HowStuffWorks.com. Farewell, good gentles. We'll talk to you again soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.